Hello and welcome to this edition of the IFS Zooms In. I'm Paul Johnson, Director of the IFS, and today we're going to be talking about older workers and their participation in the workforce. As you've probably heard, the numbers of people in work in the UK has been going down or certainly not up anywhere near as fast as we've been used to over recent years since the pandemic. And quite a lot of that has to do with reduced participation among older workers. And to discuss that, to help us understand what's going on, I'm joined by Jonathan Cribb and B. Boylo, who are both colleagues of mine here at the IFS and who have written on this subject a couple of times already this year. So let's start, B, um, just by taking us through what's actually been happening to levels of employment or levels of economic activity, to be slightly more precise, of older workers over the last few years. So as you've said, Paul, we've seen a fall in the employment rates of older workers during the pandemic. And this doesn't seem to have been risen by a rise in unemployment to offset this. Instead, what we've seen is a rise in the rates of economic inactivity among older workers. So that's the state of neither being in work nor actively looking for work. And the proportional increase that workers in their 50s and 60s have seen during the pandemic has been much more significant than that which we've seen for other age groups. So we've got you, you, you've distinguished economic inactivity from unemployment. So this isn't that older workers have been chucked out of a job and are on unemployment benefit and looking for more work. They've, uh, they've either retired or they're sick or for some other reason they've left work, but they're not looking for work. No, there's some reason why they're not actively looking for work during this period. We do think that redundancies have played some role, especially in the early stages of the pandemic, but this hasn't seemed to prompt workers to move into unemployment. Instead, they've simply given up looking for work at all. And just to be clear, when we talk about older workers, what sort of, how much oldness are we talking about? So we're largely talking about workers in their, in their 50s and in their early 60s, is what we refer to in our latest piece of work on this. People like me, in other words, um, I'm afraid I am still rather economically active. <laughs> and we're happy so. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well done, Jonathan. Pay rise on the way. Um, so um, so we've seen a, a reduction. Can you give us a sense of the scale of that change? I mean, how, how, many, how many people have we lost from the labour market? So we see are almost 300,000 more economically inactive people in their 50s and their 60s compared to the period immediately before the pandemic. So that's quite a significant change, 300,000 among that age group. And, and Jonathan, how does that relate to what was happening pre-pandemic? Because this isn't um, something that's been going on for a long time, is it? This is, this is relatively new. No, this is a reversal, I should say a partial reversal, of very long-running trends now over recent decades of increasing participation uh, of both men and women, but particularly women uh, in the labour market in their 50s and 60s. We know something about why that's been happening. For women in particular, there are generation on generation increases of attachment to the labour market earlier in life, particularly surrounding the period in which women have dependent children. And, that, and those higher rates of participation earlier in life are kind of feeding through into higher rates of employment 
uh, kind of into what into the kind of fifty plus group. This, this uh, older workers, for one of a better. Yeah, so women have been more in work um, whilst they've been having children in their thirties and forties, and they've stayed in work exactly. later on. That's one thing. Uh, secondly. Uh, Again, mainly on women, we've seen big increases in the state pension age as recently as 2010. A woman could uh, claim a state pension at age 60. We're now at the point at which both men and women can only claim a state pension at age 66. And that has continued to push up employment rates of women in particular in their early 60s uh, too. And, And there's also been some kind of not related to either of those factors, gradual increases in employment for uh, men. Partly, actually, it's a long-running thing, which is recovery from really low employment rates at this at these ages in the 1980s and 1990s. So really, there's been long-running trends pushing up employment, and and we've got to this point of the pandemic, and we're seeing a partial reversal of that, and, and which is you know really quite striking. Uh, and that that trend, I mean, if, if we think if we think about men, there's been a trend since about the mid-1990s, hasn't it, for increased um, employment. But still, for some of these groups, people in their early 60s and so on, it's still, even pre-pandemic, participation was quite a lot lower than it was, for example, in the early 1970s. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely uh, true. You know, in the 1970s, most men worked until their state pension age, or they died, which was often earlier. Right. Yes. Or, or obviously, but you know, they, they, what they didn't do was much was retire before their state pension age, and that's just not true anymore. It's a much gra- more gradual process for, for, in terms of kind of society wide of men retiring uh, now. And, and just um, before we go on to what's been happening post pandemic, I mean. Broadly speaking, I think I'd be right in saying that um, the groups who were most likely to retire early were those who were quite well off, so they had a big pension or plenty of wealth to live on, or those who were really not very well off at all and would move on to often incapacity benefits or or, or quite low levels of income pre-state pension age. Yes, uh, that's absolutely right. So we had this long, well, certainly for men, a sort of 25-year period, shall we say, of increased labor force participation for women a much longer period and really quite dramatic changes we've now seen this sharp reversal not going up but actually not not even flattening but 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 coming down so we get to the question of why what's changed and this does seem to be very closely related to covid everything was going up until covid and then post covid it's going down. So um, what do we know about why they're leaving? B, there's been quite a lot of people suggesting this has been driven by increasing levels of ill health. Is, 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 that, is, that, what, is that what we think? So I do want to start by saying that to some extent during the early points of the pandemic, this was driven by redundancies as a non-trivial pe- number of older workers lost their jobs and re-employment rates were very low. Many of those people moved into economic inactivity. But we now see re-employment rates returning to their previous levels and indeed even slightly above what they were immediately before the pandemic. So just to be clear there, so you're saying during the pandemic, a lot of older people were made redundant and then essentially didn't go back into work. Yes, exactly. That did play a not But since the pandemic, those who are being made redundant are finding their way back into work just as they would have done before. That doesn't seem to be any longer playing a significant role. Instead, there have been kind of two main hypotheses as to why the rate of economic inactivity has continued to rise among older workers. And these have been 
groups saying that this is largely driven by retirement with more workers moving into early retirement. And then the idea that this is largely or wholly about health reasons with more people being forced out of economic activity because they are, say, on NHS waiting lists or because they're no longer healthy enough through long COVID to continue working. And there's quite a lot of evidence which really points in both directions for this. So we do see an increase in the rate of people who report being economically inactive for specific health reasons, people who are long-term sick or disabled. But we think that rather than the overall increase in the rate of economic inactivity being driven by these people, we think that instead people are taking retirement and then at the same time, the stock of people already inactive are becoming sicker. So this is a really interesting, slightly nerdy point that uh, actually quite a lot of people, as you say, have been saying, they look, at, they look at the data and there are more older people out of work who are saying they're sick than there mm-hmm. used to be. So it looks like what's happened is that more people are being, that more people are leaving work because they're sick. But actually, I think what you find when you actually follow people through time mm-hmm. is that the people who are moving out of work are not the people who are becoming sick. It's the people who are already out of work who are becoming sick. Is that broadly right? Yes, exactly. So we're able to look at the longitudinal data, as you say, which follows the same people between quarters. And we see that it seems to be an increase in the people moving directly from employment into retirement. That seems to be the thing that's increasing rather than people moving directly from employment into being long-term sick or disabled. And kind of further to that, the rate, the increase in the rate of inactivity seems to be driven by an increase in these inflows, because otherwise you might think that, say, inactive people are getting sicker, that's reducing the rate at which people move back out of inactivity. But we don't find that that's the case. Instead, it's going up because more people are moving from employment into inactivity, and that's being driven by movements directly into retirement. And one thing that we find that backs this up using the cross-sectional data is that the rise in health-related inactivity, which I referred to, is about 70% of that is being driven by people who've been out of work for at least five years. So as you say, this is among people who are long-term inactive. So that leaves us with, as it were, two separate and quite different puzzles. One is, why on earth are these people who've been out of work for a long time getting sick more than they were Um, and the other is why are people moving out of work uh, into retirement more than they previously were do we we have any answers to either of those questions (laughs) before thinking about answers I do want to say one thing that we wanted to be careful with with this work is not to imply that health isn't a problem when we're thinking about these as you say this kind of creates two problems for policymakers rather than just one. We don't want to downplay the importance of health reasons. Absolutely. You skipped the question brilliantly. I think that we, <laughs> internally at least, have less good evidence on exactly why people are sicker. I mean, we know that there are significant numbers of people with long COVID, but my understanding is that issues are not just about, health issues are not just about that um, we know that lots of people are on NHS waiting lists, massively, million, you know, million more than than than, than before. But uh, I feel, in a way, that's a, another almost a, that that question's almost another whole another podcast. Why are people sicker? Where I think B and I at least can shed more light on is why are people 
more likely to kind of move into into retirement than before. It's not cast iron, but we can look at the groups that are doing it. The groups that are, are more likely to be moving from uh, employment into retirement at greater rates are, in a sense, those who were already somewhat closer to retirement. People who are working part-time, people in their 60s, people who are self-employed, and so they've already got more flexibility around uh, their work. Other than that, it is quite broad-based in terms of education, professional, non-professional, public-private sector. So, you know, it seems that whatever has happened during the pandemic has taken a set of people who are a little bit less attached to labour force and kind of pushed them over into going for for a slightly earlier retirement uh, than they would have before. And it's interesting you're saying it's not just those who've got big pensions or it's not just those who were particularly poor. It's it's right across the distribution of income and wealth. Yes. It's also across the country, for example, as, as well as income and wealth. We don't see any big regional differences in, in this happening. So this broad-based change, I, I guess the two, that... that that, that, that leads me to three questions, really. Um, one is, does it matter? One is, is it going to keep going? Um, and one is, are these people going to regret it? So let's um, uh, let, 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 let's let's come to this question of, does it matter? I mean, if um, if people are uh, this group of people who are retiring earlier, they're not sick. Um, they're doing it entirely voluntarily. Um, should isn't that fine why is, is there is there any public policy issue here at all well for the, to the extent that this is indeed about people kind of for want of a better word making a lifestyle choice they've 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 experienced the pandemic they've decided that what's best for them is to leave work and rely upon a you know their combination of their private pension savings state pension maybe some partners earnings you might expect that it's you know, making these people better off relative to if they'd stayed on in work. So, you know, and that's a that's important that people are making decisions to make themselves better off. I think that at this particular point, there is a concern, which is we are at a point with a significant inflation problem that we have supply constraints in the economy. And part of the supply side of the economy is the number of people that are, are willing or available to work. And to that extent, the extent that supply constraints are pushing up uh, price or wage inflation, it's, it's not helpful <laughs> that a set of a large set of people have decided to take an earlier retirement than they otherwise would have. So, to the extent that we're worried about in price and wage inflation, then yes, we should be uh, worried about this as well. Because this is part of a broader um, issue with the size of the labour force, which was going up pretty steadily and significantly year on year, slowed down a bit post-Brexit and has slowed down again um, post-COVID. So relative to what the economy has been used to, the size of the labour force has been hasn't been rising anywhere near as fast. And you sort of see that all, all over the place in numbers of vacancies that are available and um, the problems that the hospitality industry and others appear to be in recruiting. And to the extent that people are worried about changes in uh, income across the income distribution and maybe the poor are being potentially little le left behind, rising inequality, the rising employment rate in the recovery from the Great Recession provided a significant input into income growth for poorer for poorer households. It really acted to push up the incomes of poor households. So for those who really worry about this, that partial reversal 
is likely to push, put, you know, pull incomes the other way. This loss of older people from the workforce, it's part of a broader issue in terms of workforce size and change. Uh, there are worries about that from a sort of broader macroeconomic perspective. We've got fewer people in work, probably paying a bit less tax. There's more uh, more pressure on uh, on employers and on wages, all of which could be creating some uh, some issues. Of course, there may be um, that people end up um, changing their mind about leaving the labour market, particularly in the context of much faster rising prices than they would have expected. But I suppose for the medium term, what really matters here is, is this a one-off effect? People experienced COVID, um, they enjoyed working from home, or they were furloughed and decided to retire early, and then we'll get back onto the previous trend? Or is this, um, so that's just a one-off change, or, or is this something that is likely to affect uh, participation in the longer run. In other words, is this the beginning of a new trend? Um, difficult question. Any ideas, B? It's it's difficult to say, as as you say. In terms of the same people who have become inactive moving back out of retirement, that we think that that's potentially quite un- unlikely even in the current cost of living crisis. So we don't generally see that many people moving out of retirement on data pre-pandemic, although it's hard to say what people will do given current levels of inflation. We The last time inflation was this high was in very different macroeconomic circumstances in general. We do see some small decline in the rates of economic inactivity in the latest quarter of data among older, older workers. But there's a chance that this is, this is noise and we get data with a lag. And so be careful of drawing too much from it. Perhaps the best we can do is wait a little bit longer and see what happens to the trends with a bit more data on the post-pandemic trends. So at the moment, it's very hard to tell whether this is a one-off or the start exactly. of a new trend. Yes, um, exactly. And very good advice. Don't forecast, wait for new data. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, any insights into whether this is um, likely to be a long-term change? I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I do have further insights. Other than that, when we go back to that, what I mentioned earlier is that in terms of the long run, we do still have the kind of underlying pressures pushing up employment of more women continuing to be working in their 30s and 40s, you know, which which should feed through into more working in their uh, 50s in the longer run. The state pension age will go up again in 2026 to 2028, probably encouraging more people in. So... You know, there are some underlying changes that push these things upwards. But I'm not sure either of us have a fantastic answer for whether this, the, 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 the particular issue that we've seen since the pandemic is, is uh, temporary or permanent. The other big underlying change, of course, is that we're continuing to go through that, uh, those generations who are going to have less and less in the way of defined benefit occupational pensions and therefore uh, and, and lower um lower pension coverage overall than previous generations in terms of the amount, the number of people with really substantial pension pots, which presumably for some groups will, um, over the long run, reduce early retirement. I think that's pr- you're, you're, you're probably right. There will also, over time, will be reductions in the number of people with very big pension pots. Of course, there will also be some increase in the number of people with small or moderate amounts to help them tide over 
to, to their state pension age or something like that as a result of automatic enrollment. Not not large amounts, but um, some people, more people will have something um, than previous generations. Mm. Um, and uh, as, 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 as B referred to, it's, uh, it's also a very different moment now to that which we've seen in a long time in terms of uh, inflation. Uh, and if you don't have an index-linked occupational pension and you're relying on savings pots to find contribution pots uh, or other, fine, uh, other forms of relatively fixed incomes, you might be struggling uh, for a period to come. Um, so uh, I think what I take from this conversation is that we've got a, a big and surprising change here. And actually, it's worth saying, not one that is replicated in most other countries. Uh, most other countries have not seen a similar fall in labour force participation that we've seen over the last um, couple of years, uh, that we're seeing that for reasons that probably aren't mostly to do with health. Uh, this fall in uh, labour force participation among older people does appear to be a voluntary change, and there's some stuff in the data which is confusing people here uh, and, uh, and leading them to believe that it's down to a change in health. But actually, if you follow people through, it appears to be down to... Uh, voluntary decisions to retire. It's a big change in what was happening before. But the big question is, what's going to happen next? And I think on that, we should all take B's advice and wait for the data rather than make uh, any foolish forecasts. So I think we'll wrap up there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the IFS Zooms In. To see more of our work, do visit www.ifs.org.uk. And to further support us, consider becoming a member for as little as £5 a month. See you next time.